guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre and I am back with my wife Leah to talk about following Jesus in an anxious post-Christian age. And you look very cozy over there today, <laughs> <laughs> wrapped up in a fuzzy blanket. Um, yes, it's like a huge blanket, but I don't know why it's so cold in here today. It's not. It's the same every day. Some people live the same. their winter months and their house is very cold and they're fine with it. And they just like chill on the couch with a freezing house. Like 68, 67. How is that okay? How, are you good? I think a lot of people have like a 68 degrees. It's on actually like concerning because how can you possibly relax Yeah. with that temperature in your house? Yeah, ours is 74. Some of you probably think that's insane. <laughs> everybody thinks that's insane. What? Every, no, 74 everybody is not that bad. Everybody who comes over is, is like it? sweating at our house. And they're no. like, your house is so hot. It's actually what happens every time. Hmm. But it's fine. I think we that love you it. should be able to be in a t-shirt. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah. How can you be cozy and comfortable in your home? If, it's, if, if you always have to be dressing up and you feel cold. Yeah. The floor can't be cold. Yeah. You know? So today we got an interesting question that actually came in that we wanted to take a moment and talk about, offer some of our humble perspective, our limited advice. Uh, so this question came in, uh, this person says this, uh, when I see people in my life who I love uh, struggling with substance abuse, broken relationships, marriage issues, it causes me pain to see them in that. So I feel hurt. Uh, I feel hurt for people that are in the pain, and my thought process is the following. Uh, if I just tell them how to fix it biblically, if I just share with them what the solutions are, if they've listened to me, then their problems will be fixed, and they would be happy, and I would be happy too, and they, would, they wouldn't be suffering. So either I can't tell them how to fix it, or they're closed-minded. They don't listen to what I have to say, and I can't really, you know, that from as a result of that, I lose, uh, you know, I lose my peace. I'm anxious about it. I'm thinking about it. And it feels like I'm struggling with those problems myself and I can't even focus on my own life. So um, how, uh, how do you deal with maybe feeling too much for other people's struggles, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the therapeutic language for that is feeling responsible for other people's happiness. Yeah, I think that the center central part of this question is relation relationship and love and carrying other people's burdens and what that actually looks like and what that means for your life. Because when that question came in, I was like, I could totally relate to that. It's like something I'm constantly having to find a balance in. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm just trying to like honestly review my own heart, but it's not something that bugs me at all. But yeah. you definitely have this thing where when you see a, a deeper struggle in somebody's life around you, that really bogs you down. Like you, you can't have peace if you see somebody that you know who's close to you that doesn't have peace because of some issue or some struggle or whatever. Yeah. Like it's not it's something that deeply weighs you down and you constantly yeah. have to fight in your own mind not to like think in circles about this stuff. Yeah, it can really take over your whole day and your responsibilities. I feel like this. I well, think... and one of the, we live in an age of empathy, which can be very toxic uh, as a reality. Like you have to come and feel my struggle before you can ever say anything. Like there's this um, empathy has become this like reigning, reigning thing. It's like a concept in our culture that often has a very unhealthy and kind of, 
almost toxic component to it where people um, say that if you can't understand my pain, then you have no right to tell me uh, well, anything. And they, not only that, but they go as far as saying, if you've never experienced my level of victimhood, you can't ever speak into right. it. Right. What is it called? Intersectionality? Right. So the point here, though, is that we struggle when we when when people that we care about are in pain and when those people are making bad decisions or when they're not listening to the truth or where we are unable to communicate effectively to them. Um, part of that, obviously, is being a Christian, right? Living in community and living in a way that is extending love to people like to love others is to be vulnerable to love others is to open your heart to pain. vulnerability and pain yeah. because you are attaching yourself to them their good their supreme good becomes your joy yeah that's what love is right and love with love comes difficulty with love lo with loving people well the way god intended it's gonna carry with it burden and pain like right. i think that's maybe something people don't expect or when when it's when you're hurting for someone else you're like is this right right but it part of this is um we're called to carry one another's burdens to live life side by side and it should affect us when our fellow brother or sister is struggling or in sin that they don't want to come out of or having marriage problems or having financial crisis like whatever their pain is it love means you hurting for other people right right galatians 6 right bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ or matthew 6 where jesus explicitly says that if you i think it's matthew 6 i might be misquoting the chapter but um you know the iconic passage where jesus tells you know his disciples that when they when you see a brother in sin you have to go and tell him and then if he doesn't listen you go and you, you go together with somebody else and tell them if he doesn't listen you tell to the whole church and the point here is not spreading rumors the whole point is speaking truth into somebody who's making decisions to follow sin yeah. and those decisions are destroying them so um speaking truth in love ephesians chapter 4 we are to grow up into him who is the head into christ so the entire in that passage ephesians 4 the whole christian life is 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 described as a process of speaking truth in love yeah speaking truth in love we build people up with the truth in our relationships so um the world around us will say something very opposite the world around us will say um you know there is no one right way and you can't tell somebody uh what the way is for them and don't tell people how to live their life although there's a kernel of truth in that we'll get in that in a minute um the underpinning idea there is just a relativism that says everybody makes their own path and you have no you're in no position to say that somebody's decisions are incorrect maybe they're incorrect for you but they're correct for them mm -hmm. so um that's a way that's a totally opposite way of just like unhitching yourself from um the responsibility to say hey when you're going over a cliff don't mm -hmm. do it don't do it there's yeah. a cliff there yeah. you know it's like well not my not there who's to say that the cliff is bad you know right. maybe falling down cliffs is wonderful for them yeah. <laughs> um that's just that's just unhitching yourself from bearing what the responsibility of loving somebody yeah you know yeah so how do we think about it from a christian perspective i think the the big thing here is the process of speaking truth and love 
So the process, there's a whole process as Christians that we go through uh, that enables us to reach people correctly. Um, and so we have to make sure that we have exhausted the process. I think initially you start with, you know, it really depends on what the issue is. If someone is, first of all, sometimes it's an unbeliever who, regardless of the, your faith, they're not going to be compelled by your um, pleading for them to, you know, get out of sin. Right. So is this person a Christian or not? If they're, yeah, um, or whether it's a wisdom choice, like if, if they're being unwise with their money or they're being unwise in their relationship or they're pursuing something that's toxic or harmful for them, like there's just so many different, the Bible is clear on if a person is in sin, do these things. There's a very clear process. And I don't think we need to get into that because, you know, we've taught on, you've taught on it in the church recently. And there's that where a believer is in sin and there's that process. But it seems like the person who's you know, asking this question is saying more like, how do I deal with, how do I address when I, you know, the issues that I see in people that are harming them? And then how do I deal with them not getting out of those issues and the pain that comes with that? Right. Well, I think just to clarify what you just said, the distinction here is very important. First of all, is this a sin issue or is it a wisdom issue? Mm -hmm. Sin is clearly clear stuff like the Bible forbids this, like clear actions uh, that are wrong, you know? So those actions, external actions, not just heart attitudes, those actions are sin. Versus wisdom issue is like you just think this person is not making very wise choices for their life. That's two very different things because when you see a clear sin issue, the Bible says, go and tell them. Like there's a process here. Mm -hmm. The whole church community has a process here, right? Mm -hmm. But a wisdom issue um, has a lot more gray area and a lot more nuance. Um, we can share our perspective on you know what the best course of action is, but people are not obligated to follow along everything that we say. You know what I'm saying? Oftentimes, I think we mix up wisdom issues and sin issues and sometimes it gets kind of difficult to tell what's a sin issue and what's a wisdom issue yeah um and and sometimes people get too preachy about telling people how to live their life when we we get so confident about what they need to do because i see the answer don't you see it and we are actually overconfident in our own perspective of their own life right and i think that this is really really important because when we have something to do with a, a wisdom issue, something that is about life decisions that could be here, could be could be this way, could be that way, and you think this is not the right way to go about your life, um, and then we cling to it as if uh, they are destroying their life, but we haven't actually evaluated ourselves. Okay, wait, why am I so motivated to get them to listen to what I'm saying? Is it because I want them to listen to me? Is it because I want them to do what I think they should do? Is it because I want them to live the life that I think they should live? Or is it because I truly see a very simple, clear connection to what they're doing in God's word? I think there's a lot of confusion here. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times in our immaturity, uh, we we overestimate our perspective of people. Mm -hmm. uh, we we think that it's a, it's a sin issue. This is clear. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll dive into motives yeah. and we'll think Assuming this motives. person is being prideful and they're pursuing their pride. And it's like, we have to be very careful about saying that we know exactly what's going on in somebody's heart. Yeah. yeah. You are external to them. Mm -hmm. You don't know their inside life. 
you know yeah you can ask you can suggest you can say do you think that this is a struggle with pride do you think that you have a struggle with humbling yourself to other people's love or whatever mm -hmm. but to say this person is being prideful and then therefore it's a sin issue and therefore they need to listen to what i have to say um that is a way to destroy a relationship and to destroy trust yeah when we're talking about giving somebody guidance in a wisdom issue like who to marry what kind of job to take you know yeah. how to spend their time how to yeah. spend their money these are all wisdom issues right mm -hmm. um you we have to learn we have to just understand and i think again basics this is you know missing a lot of times in the church like i have to earn someone's trust yeah before they can listen or they're going to listen right. to what i have to say i think right. we we in like the the biblical reformed church world where we get on this high horse of like oh counseling one another and that means that basically everything that I think about you, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And you need to listen to me. Yeah. And it's like um, we, we, we don't develop trust. We don't have humility mm -hmm. because we don't realize that maybe I don't see everything about this person. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot going on that I don't really see. you know. And we have a very confident perspective of our own assessment of their yeah. life. I feel like I had this struggle in the past where I tried to quote unquote help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being very overconfident about my assessment of their life. Yeah. And not being realistic about my own ignorance. Yeah. You know? When it comes to wisdom issues, we need to learn to walk with people and say, look, I love you. I care about you. I'm here for you. And this is my perspective on this. Um, but I could be wrong. And sometimes when people reject us, um, that's okay. You know? Yeah, I think in the ideal world, we want to have relationships that are full of trust and love, that these kind of um, wisdom issues are not a big deal to bring up. When you have relationships where you are very invested, these conversations should be invited and constant. Like, do you think I'm doing the right thing? Do you, or, you know, back and forth. But if that isn't the case, like there's not enough in the bank to make a withdrawal with your comments about their life, mm -hmm. um, you have to be very careful and very um, suspicious of your own analysis of people. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's, we're so wrong very often because, you know, it looks, looks a certain way to us. But in reality, you ask some questions and you dig a little deeper and oh, really it was actually very something very different than what right. you thought. So um, assuming very little, asking questions. But I think also people say, well, who am I to this person? I just saw them. And they're, I don't, I'm not close to them. I'm not right. in a relationship with them. Therefore, I will never have the right to speak truth. That's right. incorrect too. I, th I think people default to that because it's easier to just avoid drama, quote unquote, avoid right. the pain of entering possible conflict when you see a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ making really incorrect choices. Maybe not specifically sin, but it could lead to sin very easily. Right. Um, when you're clearly seeing them making um, bad decisions, um, being unhealthy in a crowd, unhealthy, um, un ungodly things. And yeah. it doesn't disqualify you just because you're not best friends with them. It doesn't disqualify you from at least attempting to enter into a conversation. I think that's right. There's distinctions. There's there. two sides. There's the hyper confident, listen to everything I have to say, because I know everything about your life. And then there's the other side, which just says, Oh, well, I'm not, who am I to judge? Who am I to tell them how to live? And that's false too, because as Christians, so like we're called to live together in community. What does that mean? It means that we we look at each other's lives. We care about each other's 
values. And that means that we want to do the hard work of talking, thinking out loud, you know. Um, those conversations can be very uncomfortable, but that's how we live in community because as a result, like every time that I've had these kind of conversations, you know, especially like I'm so thankful to like our leadership in our church, like just a group of men who are willing to have any conversation. Yeah. Nothing is, there are no, there are no, no fly zones. Mm -hmm. And challenging, tense, maybe disagreeing on certain things. Uh, and yet we come out of every conversation uh, loving and trusting each other even more, you know, because mm -hmm. you start with this posture of like, I respect you guys. I love you guys. Let's think out loud. Let's challenge each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't know everything. Yeah. We, we all understand how little we know. And we welcome that. And even though it's hard, it, it yields deeper trust. So I think when it comes to people who are, you know, so like speaking truth to people includes going through this process, I think, and reaching out to people. And I think if sometimes like the wisdom and sin issues do get blurry, like you said, yeah. sometimes it's blurry. Sometimes it's like, well, is it or not? Should I say or should I not? I don't know. You know, talk to somebody you trust, talk to somebody who's going to be you know, respecting the privacy of the situation as a pastor or a leader that can help you think out loud th uh, through this, right? Yeah, but that also, you know, don't be going to three, four different leaders before you talk to the person. Like, right. you know, also trust that if it's come up and you notice, like, they're, you know, the Holy Spirit works. If you're a Christian living a godly life, the Holy Spirit does prompt you to speak to people. Maybe, you know, God showed you the situation and, if you're someone who's constantly eager to give critical feedback, you know, maybe don't be doing that. But if you're someone who's very hesitant and thinking through whether you need to say something, um, don't hold back because you feel unqualified because you never do this kind of stuff. And, well, I'm not their mom. I'm not in authority over them. Who am I to say anything? I think we have the responsibility to speak truth and love to one another, whether we're very close or not. I think another pointer here so if we're talking about christians a fellow christian this is a big thing and i think a lot of people maybe i mean correct me if you think i'm wrong but uh they avoid this so lots of times like these things where we see concerns or we see somebody doing things that are unhealthy or having difficulties in their life conflicts in their relationship maybe their marriage whatever and it's not bad it's not good and they're not listening to you like Again, when it's connected to a sin issue, like in their life of anger, habitual anger, neglect, you know, pride, laziness, like clearly evident in their actions, mm -hmm. you got to bring the church in. Like wherever they are, like again, you have to understand if their church is healthy enough to be able to be part of this because a lot of churches, church discipline, many churches don't really believe in church discipline. Yeah. And what I mean by that is not excommunicating people for doing something crazy. For years church and Church discipline years. Yeah. is not about excommunicating. It's the opposite. Church discipline is about recovering people who are struggling and who are in sin, whether right. that be in you know their relationships or in their habits or substance abuse or whatever. Church discipline involves people, trusted leaders in the church, to go and speak truth to that person and mm -hmm. revive them. Yeah, bring them and, back into fellowship. And it works. Yeah. In a healthy context, it works, and it's a beautiful thing. It's yeah. not an ominous, scary thing. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll go all these back ways, and we know all this stuff about somebody and this not good stuff, but like... Where are the leaders of that person's mm -hmm. life? Like if they're in, like this is, you know, one reason you need to be in a healthy church, like you, leadership structures and like 
um, people who are trusted in the church, that's like a, a net that catches people. It's mm-hmm. a safety net that catches people from falling off that cliff. Mm-hmm. And it's been just so amazing to see some of that work out in the last few years, like um, where people are just like awakened yeah. from like honest conversations. But not only that, because it's prayer, it's network, it's communication with other people in the church. The body of Christ hurts together. So, you know, it's not that if I see somebody struggling, I tell them, oh, whatever. But like God has instituted a system of of healing and restoration. And that system works when saints are speaking truth as a community and praying for somebody who's in sin as a community. They're restored. It works. And it's amazing, yeah. you know. So if you can, if you don't consider that, you have to, um, you have to, under, you, you know, that's a huge factor in every Christian's life. What what are the leaders in that person's life doing, and how are they part of this? You know. Yeah. So okay. So if so, that's established. But if it's a person, they're not a church member. They're not a believer. Maybe it's a family member who isn't in the church. Maybe they're, you know, having issues with drugs or getting into drugs maybe they're starting to you know maybe they're a younger person starting to party or a family member considering divorce because they're they you know having issues like and you like you're hurting for them and you are trying to figure out what to say if to say anything mm-hmm. or to say and they're not listening to you or just carrying the burden of pain for someone who you love Mm-hmm. how to deal with that i think that's the essence of the question yeah um, because obviously if, if they're a christian there is a very clear pathway of action we are to right. do but when it comes to maybe they're not a christian maybe they're a christian and not in the church or far right. away where you can't tell them you need to be in church discipline in your church across the country i can't right. even you know so that is more where people get stuck yeah yeah and I think a lot of us are different. Some people will, you know, hear about a need even of a close friend and say that's sad and they'll pray and they'll be okay. But some of us, like me, I definitely have a really hard time, even if it's not someone close to me, but like within the church context, if I find out someone like has a problem or even needs to be on church discipline, it like grieves me. And sometimes like I can't sleep when I keep thinking about it. And I'm like, that's so sad and it affects me. Yeah. In a way, and especially when it's someone close to me or a family member, it's so much harder. And I think it's something I have, I keep struggling with and I have to learn and I had to learn in the past. One of the biggest things I think that I have to draw for myself when these issues come up is number one, this just shows that love can be heavy. Love can be a burden and we're called to do that and that's healthy and we're supposed to walk alongside other people that's healthy and the fact that i'm feeling down is the fact that i'm grieving with someone else is good and Mm -hmm. god permits that in our life for compassion for understanding and number two um if, if i'm having such anxiety over it like ultimately I have no control and I need to like channel that anxiety into prayer because prayer is the only thing most of the time the only thing you can do and that is powerful like the God hears our prayers God listens to the cry of our heart on on, for the sake of another I think that's huge and believing in that and spending time really just crying out to God for someone else's issues for their sin for their pain that it should push you into prayer so if you're losing sleep at night it's probably because you're in pain for someone else and that's okay 
But if it's getting to the point where you're like, you know, have anxiety and it's taking over your entire life, that's where you need to consider like, do I, can I not let go of something? Like God is able to do, only he is able to do anything about it and I cannot. So mm-hmm. I will pray and let it go. There comes a point where you have to say, I have no control over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially when people are struggling with anxiety, one of the most important things to understand is that you have to, you can't just sit there and try to battle it in your brain. Like the thing about being anxious is you have to respond with an action. You have to respond with clear, concrete action. And one of those actions is prayer. God works among his people to put burdens on people sometimes at certain moments, even sometimes I'll just have, I'll just remember somebody mm-hmm. like out of the blue mm-hmm. in their struggle and just start praying for them at that moment because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit uses that in, in this amazing, mysterious way where he connects his people through love, like this network of love where we raise up prayers for each other yeah. and he uses those prayers to work change in the world, which is yeah. kind of crazy, Yeah. but that's a, that's, that's a reality. So channel it into prayer. Talk to God about it. Paul talks about Philippians chapter four, you know. Um, don't be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, um, let your requests be made known to God and Mm -hmm. the peace which transcends the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Like such a beautiful passage because he says with thanksgiving, pray. Yeah. And it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Yeah. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's it's a mysterious otherworldly peace will guard your heart and your mind it'll protect your condition yeah so you have to come to god and i think aside from prayer the other thing is just understanding and and having hope having a positive hope in the reality of god's presence and his wisdom and his plan yeah god has a a story for this person Mm -hmm. god is working a story in their life and obviously you are part of this story because you are burdened by their suffering. Mm-hmm. And obviously God has intentions for this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God is working some sort of grace in their life. And you already know that. All, all, just because you have a burden for Christ in their life. Even if the, they're completely rejecting Christ at this mm-hmm. moment, you have a burden. That's already evidence that God is working redemption in that person's life. Yeah. You don't see the full picture of how he's doing that. Yeah. There's a big complicated story that the author is writing. And so that like you have to lean actively in the hope of the active father who is writing a story in this person's life. And that is supposed to if we believe that, it's supposed to guard us from despair. Right. You know, like there's a bigger story here. God is doing something that I don't fully understand. But what I do know, God is doing something redemptive because I care and I'm filled with God's Holy Spirit and I'm praying for this person. Yeah. He, God is nudging me to care about this person. That means God is present in this person's story and I'm going to have hope in that and I'm going to let God take care of the full story. I'm not going to let the anxiety of this moment fill my entire screen Yeah. because that would be saying that God you need to tell me everything right now so then I can have peace. Right. But that means that my peace comes from my own perspective, my own ability to see the answers rather than my peace coming from trusting God. Yeah, and there's there's a verse that says, 
I don't, I don't think it's as powerful are the prayers of a righteous man, but like right. something like the prayer they of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it doesn't go fruitless. So, you know, like I always marvel at those stories of the mother whose son, you know, got caught up in drugs and for years and years, like he's sitting in prison, you know, for, for some crime and the mom com- continues praying or the parents continue praying. And it's like a lifeline. Like God won't just let that person go. Like the prayer is con- is a continual prayer. So mm-hmm. there's no, there's never, that person is never hopeless because even if one person is praying for them, there's God's work happening. Right. And I think we need to believe in that and be optimistic about that because even you praying and crying out to God on the behalf of another, someone who looks like to the world and to everyone around looks like hopeless and a goner maybe you know right substance abuse where it got, got so bad that there's it seems like there's no return but god is able to do amazing things he's able to do miracles and we have to believe in that as we're praying and not not grow weary of praying right just because we don't see results for years and years and we just want them to get out of whatever they're in um god is at work because someone's praying mm-hmm. because you're praying and i think we are meant to carry one another's burdens so much that in, in only to the to the in the sense that we're to carry them as our to own to cross. God yeah. and prayerfully give them to the Lord not yeah. carry them around as our own problems as right. our own weight because he says you know put on me your burdens and so mm-hmm. we're to carry them to to God on for the sake of another and that's where so I think like I've experienced this where it just gets so hard and you're so worried about someone and like losing sleep over or whatever. I think you have to constantly be praying and oftentimes like if I can't fall asleep, like I'll ask, like I'll wake you up or I'll ask like, can we both pray about this? And just the action of praying out loud with your spouse or with a friend, mm-hmm. that gives peace. Like I instantly mm-hmm. feel the peace of God filling my heart when when I do that because it's it's like a physical like giving it up to god mm-hmm. and knowing he hears and he is able to change the circumstance yeah james chapter 5 uh, verse 16 therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working so um i think that you know we have to understand like like you said um you have to confess this truth to yourself as you're you know burdened by this person god is a better father than i am god right. is a better counselor than i am god is a better, better author friend. yeah better friend better everything yeah the holy and i am not that person's holy spirit yeah like i'm gonna say the best i can but i can't can't see everything can't say everything perfectly lots of times i'll have a conversation with somebody and i and i tried to say the right thing in the right way and then i just i'm filled with doubt after like man should have said that or should have said that and it's like instead of sitting there agonizing about how much better i could have said what i said i just click right into praying and saying lord you know help them forget all the foolish things i said and help them to remember only the important stuff that i said and you do it because at the end of the day change comes from god moving in their heart yeah and god will use you and your imperfect efforts to move in their heart but he must do that so so that you so your effectiveness depends on your connection to God yeah. your relationship with God yeah and i think the last thing i would say is um because we believe in a god who's sovereign and a god who is redeeming 
because we have hope, um, we have to learn to keep the door open for a long time. Like, like keep hoping, keep checking in, keep um, saying that, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'd love to, you know, whatever. Keep showing signs that your door is open to that person even after they've rejected you. Yeah. I think that lots of times, you know, uh, people who are in their wandering state or in their challenging seasons, they have to hit that rock bottom Mm-hmm. It, at a different time than you think but yeah but but when they hit that rock bottom who is the person that they're going to think of that they can go to yeah you know and it might not be on your timing yeah it might be on a timing that you thought was way late or whatever took too long but yeah. that's the whole point like you know um god waits for us in a sense like god worked with us in the whole process the story mm-hmm. of the prodigal son is beautiful because God there is waiting for the prodigal to return, to come to his senses. He doesn't chase him into the land and say, what the heck are you doing? Come home right now. You're mm-hmm. embarrassing yourself. Mm-hmm. The father there is walking, pacing the roof, the, the the balcony, looking for him to come. Yeah. So that's the heart of God that should be expressed in us. We should always have our door open, always have hope. God can turn somebody's heart at any moment and believe that and so just be present be there for people be there for the long haul and be ready anytime don't you know i I think we need to be careful not to we get impatient and then we start to impose our desire for them to change on people more of a motivation because i want you to change and i want my life to be better so that your problem is not here anymore yeah so that i can relax yeah and that's selfish. That's mm-hmm. not actually loving. Even though you want them to do a good thing, you want it for selfish reasons. Yeah. And that is not creating an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is going to be using you to move in them. Yeah. And I think that love, I remember years back, there was like these cassette tapes by MacArthur about um, the love, love is from Second Corinthians or First yeah. Corinthians. First love is patient. 13. Love is kind. And I remember listening through those and they were just just like embedded in my mind and especially like love will cost you much mm-hmm. love love will cost you so much and the the one that says um love always hopes hopes all things hopes all hopes things. all things believes all things and that means that the person who has failed you and gone maybe they've gone to back to drugs after rehab after rehab like years of that they they've you know had another episode or someone who's been unfaithful to their spouse or someone's made another bad choice and it's just like a whole pattern a whole lifelong situation where you just want to label them hopeless and give up because look at that but what love does is in the face of continual betrayal continual failure of a person it doesn't say well of course they're going to fail again it just keeps hoping that they won't this time Mm -hmm. praying that lord maybe this time they will turn to you lord maybe this time that's what love does and that costs so much because hope is can be heavy sometimes carrying around hope is hard because it's easier to just be like that door is closed i'm done with that but carrying around hope takes a lot more work yeah loving someone takes a lot more it costs a lot more from us so oftentimes we get tired of that yeah we don't want that 
there's a, a line in Krista Wells' song, um, love wraps her arms around the wounds. It wraps weeps. itself around the wound and weeps while she speaks truth. Yes. yes. It's so profound. I love that song. Um, and there's that um, quote, there's a Mad Max quote where he says, what does he say? He says something like, hope is dangerous and it'll only lead you to insanity. Mm-hmm. And like there's a risk there. There's a burden of, of hope. But the only reason we have hope is because we know there is a father working. Yeah. So I think the Christian approach to this is a paradox. You are at the same time vulnerable and you're burdened. You don't just throw it aside and say whatever. You don't just detach. You don't just say your happiness is not my problem. Right. You don't. You can't. You love. And yet at the same time, it's not something that buries you and yeah. destroys you. Because your burden is... In a sense, it's light because it is carried by your heavenly father. Right, yeah. It is cast upon Christ. Cast mm-hmm. all your anxieties mm-hmm. upon me. You know, I, I'm, your, I'm your counselor. I'm your shepherd. And so you have a hope. You have a firm ground. You have something to look. You have a dawn. You have a spring that you're mm-hmm. looking forward to after the winter. And you know it's coming because Jesus is king and he is, you know, he's working. He's healing. He's redeeming. And you, you know you're going to look back on the story and say, wow, Jesus, you did something here. And I didn't even see it. And, you know, you're going to praise him for it. So there's that deep hope that grounds you to keep carrying the burden, mm-hmm. but not to be overburdened in an unhealthy way. Right. Um, an unhealthy anxiety takes over when we think we're God. We're yeah. the ones who need to make change happen right now. Yeah. Or else. Yeah. You know, um, giving it up to Jesus and letting him take care of it uh, allows us to keep loving. And I think if you, you know, are you responsible for people's happiness? No. You're not, but the only thing you owe people is love. And love is prayerfully hoping the best, casting your burdens on him and continuing to hope and believe that that person can be changed by the Holy Spirit. And I think that, you know, making sure that you yourself understand you can't control people's lives, you can't control their decisions and don't let their their burdens or their issues like bleed into every aspect of your life like god says you have to give it to me that's part of the christian walk yeah laying your burdens on him so that has to be something you're actively doing because if it's bleeding into all areas of your life where you can't even function or think about your own family or your own responsibilities you're actually not putting your burdens on christ you're trying to carry them and letting it you're not meant to carry them. You're not God. You cannot possibly carry all your burdens and the burdens of others. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's where there's a, that balance of love it, is hard, it, but give it to that God. that enables you to hitch yourself to their life, like connect yourself to this process for the long ro- road, for the long haul. Yeah. Because for some people, that change, that transformation is very long and slow. God works, you know, mysteriously. A lot of his best and most amazing processes are extremely slow according to our timetables. And when you have this ability to endure because grace equips you, um, you are able to be present for people for a very long time without getting burned out. Right. Uh, And in that way, to be the one through whom God works and drip 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 little drips of grace years and years cause change that is you know that wasn't seen at the moment right so thank you guys so much hopefully that um begins to answer the question obviously we understand we don't know everything and there's much to learn um 
let us know what you guys think. Uh, thank you for listening. Check out well-said.org for more blog posts and articles. That's the online home of the podcast and kind of the blog and stuff. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Let us know what you think. And if you have a minute to fill out a review on iTunes, that helps other people find the show. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you.